0: It's fundraising time for DJ Grandpa's Crib. Our Kickstarter is now live. Check out our project, Search Words DJ Grandpa. We have rewards starting at just $1, and we sure could use your help.
1: Welcome
2: to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, December 9th, 2013. During this week in history, in 1791, the Bill of Rights with the first 10 amendments to the Constitution became law. Oh, dude, I told you I couldn't discuss your game ahead of time, man, because... (laughs) I got words about that game, man. Words. I would love to hear the words. Okay, this is DJ Grandpa's finest moment right here. I'm talking to Chris of Tiny Trek. Dude, I'm loving your game and watching your game, man. Looking at the video. I swear I gotta have a license. I gotta get a license, but... The main reason I want to talk to you is because this game looks like I'm playing Legos, man. It looks like you're playing with Legos (laughs) on the screen. And I hope that's not an insult to you, man, because it's totally cool to me, man.
3: Not at all. I was uh, waiting on art assets for another project I'm working on, and and I said to myself, what can I work on where... I don't need an artist, you know what I mean? So I started right. researching procedural generation. Right. I was thinking of an old game that I used to love. It was really the first game I ever owned for my Tandy 1000 computer back in Ooh. that mythical time called the 80s.
2: I had an Atari, and I had all of that, too.
3: The game was called Starflight, and it's the first game I ever owned. Damn, those guys, they put me on this course of game development all those years ago. Right. And I've always wanted to make a game like that, and so I said, well, uh, how, can I, how can I do that game, try to do it better, and do it with just squares. And the result of course is a year later, tiny track.
2: I just didn't see how people on Kickstarter would be excited about it. I thought like I would be the only one. And then you have like this whole community of almost five hundred backers and they're totally cool asking for sort you know all sorts of upgrades and they want you to do collisions and stuff and oh and you have the greatest theme song ever. I hope you own the rights <laughs> to that, man. That is totally cool.
3: I got that from uh, a fellow user of the development tool that I use, Vincent Beers. He does chip tunes. I basically said, Vincent, I want you to watch Star Trek, Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek Voyager, Battlestar Galactica back-to-back for 72 hours, and then lock yourself in a room and compose Tiny Trek theme music. And he did just that, and he he really nailed it. It fits the game, I think, perfectly, and a lot of people seem to like it.
2: When I listen to the song, it's like I know the
3: cavalry is on the way. <laughs> Indeed. Right. I think the reason why people are excited about it, it's obviously not because it's definitely not a AAA cutting-edge, latest graphics, next-gen console title. Right. Uh, it definitely you know, harks back to, again, those 80s for games. I think it's the feature set that uh, we're trying to deliver, and that is I've yet to play a game with the exception of Starflight, and even it doesn't do it the way I want, and that is to be able to play out all those episodes of uh, our favorite TV shows growing up. Right. You know, trying to uh, cram that into a procedural generation engine was the challenge. And, and so far, so good. It's, it's pretty exciting.
2: Maybe you've stumbled on something. Maybe there's a not a sequel, a prequel, but maybe there's another show that you can slightly bump off in this procedurally generated world for like another game or something. You know, I'm just saying maybe you stumbled upon something.
3: I'm really hoping I've stumbled onto something because it's been 13 years as developing as Indy. Right. I mean, let's be honest, I really could use with tripping over a big bag of money.
2: No, I understand the bag
3: of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Living India is a challenge, but it's fun because you get to create crazy stuff like Tiny Trek.
2: You even got the perfect name, man. Now, I will say I cannot understand. What the away missions are about. I know someone with a red shirt must get killed or something, but I I can't understand. Like when I watched the demo, I was like, I can't understand. What are they doing on the planet? I don't get it. What's the gist of the the away missions?
3: Basically, I'll I'll just break it down as quick as I can the entire game. You generate your ship, you generate your race, and that all starts with picking a home star. They're different star types, and they affect your stats. You know, if it's a red giant, it's, you're going to have a tougher race than if you went with a, a white dwarf. Right. Because it's a more hazardous environment, and this, that extends down into picking a planet in the star system, all procedurally generated. Right. Then you go to picking your race and your ship, and you can you custom edit the ship. Once you're all done with that, it then drops you into the galaxy map. and The game is endless, so you could pick one direction and travel it for as long as you can survive in the game and, and keep encountering new planets and new stars. And the right. way mission engine is a way for us to provide some of those episodes. If you, if you remember watching your Next Generation or your Voyager or any of those old shows, right? you know, going down to the planet was a critical part of, of an episode.
2: Yeah, you could die that way fast.
3: Especially if you're wearing that red shirt. Yeah. So what the game does is it takes the values of the generated planets and then it conceptually generates a surface. Now, you can go to any planet and any star that you can reach, and you can just go down to the planet and explore, scan plants, pick up minerals, do stuff like that. But the way the episode generator works is there'll be certain triggers. So let's say you're flying along, one trigger can be you detect a, a, a trail, some sort of plasma trail, right. an energy trail. So the crew uh, will ask you, do you want to you know, investigate? And if right. you click yes, that starts a new episode. So maybe that brings you to an asteroid field and you find a captain in a broken-up ship, and he's, you know, asking for your help. Oh, a so tractor beam them out, right? Yeah. It, it procedurally generates that. Then when you leave the procedural generation, he'll say, my ship's damaged, uh, I thank you for saving me, but maybe you could go get my crew that's on this planet so-and-so that I left them there because, you know, I thought we were all going to die. So the procedural <laughs> generation engine will do that. It will it'll either pick an existing star or a planet right. or a right one, and then you can travel to that planet, beam down to the surface, find the people, and bring them back with you. Then again, maybe you get a uh, transmission from your command saying bad guy X is uh, holding hostages on planet Y. You have to find the planet. You got to go down and, and you got to take him out. I can get communications oh, Yeah, like that? yeah, yeah. That, that, those are all triggers. Yeah, okay. You get uh, all right. communications. You can communicate with other ships. It'll show up on the screen. I think there's a picture of it uh, right. on the Kickstarter page. It's in the video, too.
2: And the space battles look totally cool. I'm totally in love with those, man.
3: And that's what I'm focusing on right now in the Kickstarter is um, getting all these uh, great folks that have backed the project to play alpha builds of it. And, you know, they came up with some great ideas that I just implemented yesterday. Like, before you could just fly through an enemy ship, and, and the idea, of course, was there's X, Y, and Z in space. But they said, well, maybe it'd be cool if they collided. So yeah, last yeah, night yeah. we came up with collisions, but I would have took it a step further, and you actually deform the hull when you crash. So if you crash on another ship, you can put a dent in it, or you can break off the of ship and... So you get that deformation, which doesn't really affect the gameplay yet. No, but it definitely looks cool and kind of builds into that suspension of disbelief.
2: I was just flown when I saw the Legos. I mean, it was like playing with Legos and the solar systems looked blobulous to me. You know, I know that's probably not a word or whatever, but it just looks... It's a word now. It was super cool and was something I could understand. And the galaxy looked expansive, almost like... Kind of like Stargate, you know, when you get to choose yeah, exactly. this. Yeah, and I was like, this is totally cool. I'm
3: hoping the game has a certain charm. I invite you to check it out. There's a reason why uh, we still play Galaga, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, all those old school games. We still play them because there's a certain charm. I'm trying to capture that in Tiny Trek. Come visit us on Kickstarter and uh, let me know what your opinion is.
2: For anyone out there, go to Kickstarter.com. Like he said, Tiny Tiny Trek. And if you can't find it there, always go to djgrandpa.com where we try and have as much fun as possible with games such as this. Chris, thank you very much, man. Thank you, sir, it was
3: a pleasure.
4: Hey, Kickstarter community. My name is Sarah. I'm a Portland-based artist and designer and mother of three, and this is my sushi wallet.
2: Okay, you're important, Mm -hmm. and you've been working on this wallet how long?
4: Almost two years now. I mean, since I made my first design for my brother. I think he had been using a rubber band at that time.
2: Why don't you tell me what the sushi wallet actually is?
4: You know, honestly, it's about the most convenient way I could come up with to hold my cash and cards together. That isn't going to require me carrying a purse because I don't like carrying purses, which is, I guess, unusual for girls. But um, I have a tendency to just grab my ID and card and a couple bucks and smash it into my pocket. And then when I pull one thing out, everything else falls out. And that was really for me when I started seeing the need for, you know, it's just efficient. Right. I like the way it looks, but it's just efficient. And the fact that it's elastic means that, you know, you can put two cards in it, or you can put 10 cards in it. Who would use these, you might ask? Anyone. Runners. Hikers. Triggers. Moms. Babies. Dad. Clown. Right? Yeah, actually, I started really using mine more kind of religiously was because I like to go dancing with my friends sometimes. Right. And I was actually at a dance club in Portland. We stepped outside for a minute to get some air, and we started talking to someone, and I pulled my phone out of my pocket, and my cards... And my cash all fell on the ground with my phone. Oh, yeah, and this, yeah. guy, this guy goes, you dropped your stuff. You really should have a little wallet or something. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny. I actually make them. I should probably start using them. That was my defining moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that sounds like the actual dialogue a guy would say, too.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you should have some kind of a wallet for that. You're going to lose your stuff. <laughs> Somewhat inspired by ikebana or Japanese art of flower arrangement. I didn't want the focus only to be on the functionality of the wallet, but also on the lines, the shape, the simplicity of the design itself. And let's face it, who couldn't use a little more simplicity in their lives? I feel like it's something everybody could use. Right. I have a 15-year-old son who keeps his school ID and cash and, you know, bus pass in it. And then he just throws it in his backpack when he goes to school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when he's going, you know, the mall or whatever with his friends, puts it in his pocket. And, you know, I've got other moms I know that use it that have babies and they put it in their diaper bag and then switch it to their purse when they're going out. My brother uses it and he didn't even think he would. And he ended up using it because I gave him one. And he's like, man, I could never go back to something like a big fat leather wallet.
2: I dropped the wallet about 30 years ago. I couldn't take it.
4: Yeah. And I know a lot of people, too, that do the money clip. In fact, I know someone who said that they were tired of their money clip making holes in their back pockets.
2: I don't even put money in my back pocket anymore. I just put it all in the front pocket. I couldn't take it Yeah, well,
4: without a wallet, you can do that. You know, you don't, without the bulk, it's what makes it convenient.
2: Oh, that's right. But we're selling your wallet, so we have to stick to (laughs) protocol. (laughs) That's
4: why. See, that's exactly, it's a front pocket wallet. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) No, yours
2: is a front pocket wallet, (laughs) too? It
4: is, absolutely. I didn't know that. I mean, you can put it in your back pocket if you want. You can't even see it when it's in your back pocket, but... It doesn't almost sound real, but this is a real fact. My brother was getting back pain from sitting on his leather wallet because one side of your butt is higher than the other. That's true. And it started causing problems for him. And he wanted to put it in his front pocket, but it's not comfortable to put a big, fat leather wallet in your front pocket. So... That's where I started using the Sushi Wallet because it fits so comfortably in your front pocket. You can't feel it. You can sit down with it. You don't take it out of your pocket when you sit down. Oh. And because it's soft, you know, you don't have hard edges poking you. It's
2: Yeah, you got me on so many points.
4: Yeah. <laughs> See? Everybody can use one of these.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.
4: That's my logo. Simplify your pocket.
2: And for anyone on Kickstarter.
4: Gotta have
2: it. I think she's got me on several points about the simple wallet, about being in the front pocket, about the mesh and no rugged, rigid leather.
4: No animals died in the making of this wallet.
2: Well, I I wasn't going to go there, but she has another point. So go to kickstarter.com and check out the Sushi Wallet. If you can't find it there, go to djgrandpa.com where we will post links for Sarah and her wallet. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Sarah.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: Up next, a brand new segment on DJ Grandpa's crib, the Kickstarter Neutral Zone. This is a place where occasionally we feature interviews with interesting people not connected with Kickstarter or crowdfunding. Our first guest is Tony Dow, also known as Wally, from Leave It to Beaver. Welcome, Mr. Dow. Leave It to Beaver.
5: Starring Barbara Billingsley, Hugh Beaumont, Tony Dow,
2: and
6: Jerry Mathers. Hello,
2: DJ Grandpa here. Hey, DJ Grandpa, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? all right. all right Mr. Dow yeah, good to finally talk to you man yeah it's taken a while, huh? Ah you know things happen it comes and it goes it comes and it goes yeah hey <laughs> you know my family man they made me talk to you man they made me talk yeah. to you we stream everything so of course on Netflix man you're all over the place so they watch you constantly in the DVDs and stuff and so you're like big. Wow, no kidding, huh? You know, me being the podcast, you know, doing the podcast with Kickstarter thing, I had to think of a special segment for you. So I even thought of a new segment for the show for you, man. You're you're the first on the Kickstarter Neutral Zone. That's what you're part of, man. Kickstarter
6: neutral zone?
2: Yeah, since you don't have a crowdfunding project right now, I had to think of a way to get you on the show. So uh, um, yeah. I thought of the, you know, me being a Trekkie and all, I had to use Neutral Zone because of the, you know, Romulans and Klingons, and and then I figured I could lump you in there. I could call it the Kickstarter Neutral Zone, so now I have well, a neutral. You know,
6: I directed uh, Star Trek at Deep Space Nine. You did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I just said, that's pretty cool. It's a good show. I actually directed a bunch of Babylon 5s, which I even think was a better show, but I'm sure you'll disagree.
2: Yeah, that's true. Let's not get into that. You might have listened to the show. I, the sci-fi author Alex Schwartzman, he loves um, Babylon Five, and he came on the show and he tried to argue with me about which one was better. And of course, I could not agree about Babylon Five. So he'll be happy that you said that. But I'm, of course, I'm not happy that you said that since I'm a Trekkie. Oh
6: well, don't be too unhappy.
2: <laughs> it's okay, man. It takes all types, man. It takes all types. Yeah. Man, I always wanted to meet Gene Roddenberry, man, but I, I never got my chance.
6: Yeah, well, he's a pretty
2: amazing guy, huh? And you've had that long and distinguished career, man. So how does it feel to be in that whole pantheon, man, that whole generation? That, you know, your career to, to span literally generations. How does that feel?
6: Hey, well, I'm really glad that I was part of that generation, that 50s, 60s generation. That was a pretty cool time because... Television was still an infant. You know, all the big shots, the big movie stars, they wouldn't even touch television. They didn't think it was going to last. And so, you know, our show was on for six years, and, um, you know, it's a golden age of television. It was a cool time period. You're a sculptor now.
2: Yep. Have you always been one, like, while you were an actor, you know, throughout the whole years and stuff? Have you always been a sculptor?
6: Well, I've always been interested in art and sculpture has always been the thing that's uh, been the most interesting to me because it's three-dimensional and it's very similar to I mean, it's not similar to acting and directing but you know you have to visualize things in three dimensions to direct and you have to visualize in three dimensions to do sculpture when i was in my late teens and early 20s i was doing a bunch of copper things i would braze copper together and i really enjoyed it so i always planned well man when i retire, this would be a cool gig. I'll just, you know, kick back and try to do some sculpture and make a go of that. Well, right. it's almost equally as hard as trying to
2: make a go anywhere else. <laughs> do you mind being recognized as, as the Wally Cat? Or, you know, is, is that role like killing you? You like to have to talk about it time after time. It's just killing me. I can't stand to talk about it. I, I, I don't want to talk about Wally anymore.
6: Do you ever get like Well, I mean, I, I certainly went through a period of that when I was Younger, because I was trying to break out and do other things and act in other parts when I was trying to direct. And, you know, that sort of gets in the way, although, of course, it's a great calling card. You know, as you get older, you start to appreciate the show and the quality of the show and how long it's lasted and how many people were affected by it.
2: Okay, now, do you find yourself being a predictable older person saying, you know, like, kids nowadays, da 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 society nowadays, no, whatever, whatever. I mean, do you find yourself doing that?
6: A grumpy old fart who just, everything was better back in the day? Um, no, I'm getting a little fed up with the uh, the way things are going at the moment, politically.
2: Okay, let's say this is DJ Grandpa's political soapbox. Okay, what do you have to say? What's your lies <laughs> complaint?
6: Well, my complaint is that those guys can't do nothing. They're sitting there. They're getting paid a huge chunk of change. They get all sorts of benefits. And uh, all they're interested in doing is getting reelected and raising money to get reelected or taking care of their constituents who have given them money. And you take the money out of politics and uh, it would be a whole different ballgame. Ain't going to happen anytime soon, but that would certainly help. But it seems ridiculous. And of course, Obama, the Republicans have blocked him at every step of the way. Yeah, that's true. You know, I don't want to get into a political thing if you're a Republican, but... I, hey, but oh,
2: let's fight, man. Let's fight. Let's fight. <laughs> you know, for three years he had both houses of Congress and everything. he had the whole, all the cards, you know.
6: Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he got some stuff done, too. I mean, you know. Okay. The uh, Affordable Care Act as bad a shape as it is in right now is uh, a long-overdue system, and, you know, he got that through. That was his big thing. He spent practically all his political leverage on that. But still, when you get, you know, when the economy is the way it is and problems are the way they are, I realize that the two parties have vastly different philosophies on how to solve things, but yeah. what's got to happen is somebody's in charge when that somebody steps up and uh, a decision is made didn't do any good for the other guys, just to uh, try to sabotage the whole
2: thing. Yeah, hijack the whole economy, I see
6: that. Hey, Dad,
5: did you hear about our new job? We're getting 50 cents a day from Mr. Donaldson.
4: Yeah, and we're going to get to squirt water on their lawn and feed their cats dinner and take it for walks and everything. That's yeah, and they said we could eat all the...
2: That's what I want to know. Like, when they started doing residuals, I believe in the 80s, did they go back and grandfather in all those old shows so that everybody got residuals from them?
6: No, actually, there was uh, in the I think the late '60s they started dealing with residuals, but there was a limited number of episodes. Oh, they would give you so contracts that I signed probably in the early '60s. because actually before '60 there weren't there weren't any uh, residuals. But anyway, in the '60s they gave you seven run. So, you know, our show is on two times a day, practically every day. So that money, those residuals ran out in about four or five years. So, of course, nowadays, you know, it goes on forever, but, you know, I've gotten residual payments for three cents, which is a little ridiculous, but, you know, you don't make an awful lot when you get down to the end of the end of the line there.
2: Okay, now, you've pretty much done it all, in my opinion. So, do you have any words of advice for DJ Grandpa? You know, because I'm I'm like a late bloomer. I'm kind of, you know, new to this in a way, this whole podcasting, my own podcast type of thing. How do I strive for longevity?
6: Well, I think you got it made because you're in on the ground floor, man. You know, obviously, the Internet's just going to keep blossoming and... Uh, Anybody who's established in that area is going to be in pretty good shape. The key to all this stuff is, uh, you know, stick with it and don't get discouraged. Always try to be positive and keep moving forward.
2: Do you still hang out with the beeve and some of the old other uh, people from the town? Yeah, Nintendo? I mean, you there's too? not that many of us
6: left. I mean, well, there's, just, yeah, yeah. there's Jerry and uh, Ken Osmond who played Eddie Haskell. Oh, yeah. Frank Lumpy just passed away oh. last year, and Barbara, My mom, she passed away two years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, but we get together occasionally.
2: Were you guys really close, or was it like one of those Aunt B situations on Andy Griffith, you know, like where she couldn't stand anybody or
6: something like that? No, no, this was a family. It was really good. No, There were no problems, you know. Okay. Jerry was kind of like a little brother, you know, so... But I had my own classroom, and all the guys that worked, the older guys, you know, we were all in the same class, and all his friends, they were in their class, so we didn't spend an awful lot of time together other than working.
2: Did you have good biological parents?
6: Yeah, they were great. The whole situation was great because nobody made a big deal of the fact that we were doing this television show. The producers didn't want us to look at it because they didn't want us to, to think we were big shots. And our parents treated us the same as they would if, We weren't on the show, you know. You got to take the trash out, you got to do the lawn, you got to do, you know. So I was fortunate because I was able to have a couple of things that other people weren't. But basically, kind of just grew up in a middle class, regular old family.
2: That sounds super cool for you because it's like not only did you have cool, real parents, you actually had like cool parents on television. So it's it's like you lucked out twice.
6: I know, pretty good, huh?
2: Yeah, man. Great wife, cool wife, very cool.
6: My son is very cool. Why? Wow. My granddaughter, is very cool. My whole family's cool. What don't you have, man? What don't I have?
2: You got everything.
6: Uh, well, no, I don't think so. But I, you know, I got a few things. <laughs> I'm not complaining.
2: No, I got you. I got you, and I, and I appreciate you coming on the maiden voyage of the Kickstarter Neutral Zone, man. I really appreciate it. I want everybody to know Tony Dow, Wally from. Leave it to Beaver. And for the record, he claims
6: that he treated the beave above board. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, good luck with your kickboard uh, neutral zone or whatever it
7: is.
6: (laughs) Hope you have many more uh, happy uh, interviews. Thank you very much, sir. And please tell your wife
2: that I said thank you very much and have a nice day. I will. Bye-bye.
8: your faster plane I want to go anywhere, anywhere all away from all the noise way up high into the air the max in my I've been the
2: welcome to DJ grandpa's crib and who am I speaking to
0: this is uh Max and Adam from Nevada
2: color I guess you guys would have to be out of Nevada right was, uh, not exactly. Uh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Well, that's backwards. How'd you get to name Nevada?
0: We were throwing a couple of names around there, and we knew that we wanted to use the word color. We had come up with a couple of different options, but none of them quite fit right. And uh, our lead singer Quinn just went online and was doing this uh, racehorse generator name, and the name Nevada Soundwave came up. And I was like, "Hey, how about we call it Nevada Color?" And he was like all right let's do it so (laughs) we get asked a lot about that's that's the real story
2: that's as good a lie as any man that was totally
0: yeah man people ask us all the time we're like well do you want the actual story because uh (laughs) it's not that great but it's it's funny so
2: yeah if you were famous i'd be like that is a great (laughs) story
0: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah
2: What style of music are you guys? Because I, I never like to get this question wrong anymore. It's too many genres.
8: We're a good mix of indie pop rock, indie car rock alternative.
0: Well, Max, what do you play?
8: I play rhythm guitar. Adam? I play lead guitar. I wish I played an instrument, but I don't.
0: Never too late to
2: learn. That's what everybody tells me, but it's not going to happen. I still play the air guitar. That's good
8: enough. <laughs> yeah. How did the five of you come together? Before the band formed, Max, our bassist Chris, were in a folk rock band and the band was kind of trying to take a turn toward more of the rock side so that band kind of disbanded and we found our lead singer quinn and max chris and quinn began to jam a little bit and then the guys asked me to join along and then we found our drummer jeremy who was uh, childhood friends with our bassist chris well i watched a
2: kickstarter and It seems like so many bands on Kickstarter, they play in like the nicest looking studios ever, man. I've (laughs) never, I mean, I've worked in studios that look that good, but I've never like actually hired a studio
0: that looked that good. You know, if I'm watching a video for a Kickstarter for a band that is recording an album and that money is going specifically to an album, Right. If I see if they're recording in a nice studio and it looks really nice and it kind of gives you that image of, okay, maybe this band is trying to do things the right way and that's why they need to raise a little bit of money for this album. And then that kind of makes me want to donate some money to them. So I think that that is probably why a lot of bands are doing that. Yeah. You know, the studio is great, but Chris and Quinn are both cinema guys also, so they do a little bit of filming and stuff. It's nice having that on your team because they know how to get those right angles to make it look really great. You guys shot your own video? Yeah, yeah, we shot our own video and then Chris also edits all the videos and we all kind of come together to produce it.
2: That was a cool video, man. It all looked professional and sound was there and stuff. Much better than my video, man, It's coming out soon.
1: Thanks, man. Now,
2: if I'm like I don't know anything about you guys, and I haven't seen the Kickstarter, you want me to come and check you guys out maybe, you know, back you guys with some money. What stands out about you guys that I should know? What makes you special?
8: I just think we're five guys with a lot of energy and a lot of passion for the music. We all come from fairly different backgrounds to come together to make one very interesting and unique sound, and I think that this record that we're doing encompasses a lot of hard work over the past year put into this record and we have like a lot of good upbeat songs on this record that we really think people will enjoy what's the age ranges of you guys
0: i mean roughly three of us are 21 and then he's 20 and jeremy our drummer is also 20, 20. okay well what about dream tense everybody has dreams
2: what can i do to make you guys happy man come on yeah
0: yeah i think i speak for the whole band when I say this, but if we could just make music for the rest of our lives and sustain a living doing that, nothing outrageous, but just being able to survive on basic needs and and be able to play music and stay a band and have people care about the music and show them a good time at our live shows. I don't think Adam agrees with you, man. He do, no, does. No,
8: no, no, I, I was just gonna say, I'm just thinking back whenever, I remember when I was like uh, seven or eight and like, I remember our teachers would ask us, like, questions of, like, wh- what would you want to do when you're older? And I remember, like, thinking about saying, oh, I wanted to be, like, I remember at one point I wanted to be, like, a sportscaster or a child psychologist, and now that's, like, totally warped. Ever since, like, I was introduced to, like, the live music scene and going to shows and picking up records every week, I really think that I would love to write music as long as I can and be a musician and make a living doing that.
2: Before I go, before I bid adieu, If I haven't given you the chance to get your word across, to get your message across about Nevada color, is there anything you'd like to say? Any parting words you'd like to leave me with? Four gifts.
8: I was going to say live long and prosper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Peace and long life. We've done everything so far independently. We haven't had really anybody backing us. We've had great fans, people who have constantly talked about our music. We seriously appreciate them. We really want to get our music out to a whole new demographic, we want to get it out as far out as we can, and just the fact that we don't have anybody backing us really, we're trying to do this ourselves, that we really need the support of of each and every person that we can get the attention of, and this this record, to me, means a lot, just because it's the culmination of just a lot of hard work over the past year.
2: Well, DJ Grandpa is backing you now, and uh, I don't know what that means, but I am the world's biggest music fan, bar none, and I am a Trekkie. So for anyone out there, go to kickstarter.com, check out Nevada Color. And if you can't find them there, go to djgrandpa.com where we'll provide links to them and their music and their Kickstarter campaign. You can go check them out and see some of the freshest styles of music that we have on Kickstarter. Dudes, thank you guys very much for coming on the show and tell the rest of the band I said alone.
8: Definitely Will do. Amazing. Thanks, man, for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. In this house where I grew up, there was all this time I never thought I'd be anywhere else. But here's to you. but my brothers tell our parents that I love, but I'll be back soon to watch the moon come up over the grave.
4: It's a bob. It's fun. It's the most fun I've ever had with a balloon. Look, you just squeeze it like this, and the balloon comes down. When you release a little, it floats back up. Squeeze, release, squeeze, release. Um. Okay, well,
2: Jed, welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib, man. Thank you. It's a bob. It's a bob. Yeah, it's sing-songy name for a product. It's a bobber. Yeah, bobber.
5: Bobber. Yeah, I wanted to come up with something kind of catchy, descriptive, and... You know, a little abstract, too, I suppose.
2: That's kind of catchy, though, man. I mean, it's kind of catchy, nuisance kind of... You could see saying it a lot, maybe too much.
5: Yeah, maybe, or or variations thereof. Yeah. The bobber effect. It's a bob time. you kind of twisty in that sort of way. I also consider it a uh, toy for the kid and all of us.
2: You know why I like your It's a Bob story and I watched the video? Because you talk about it like... It's this rite of passage, right? You know, you get in a balloon and wee, you know, you let it go and, and you marvel at how high it flies. But my oldest child, man, she would always let a balloon go and it would be the end of the day. She could never bounce back from that crying, whatever. So your gizmo, it would keep all of that from happening. You know, she could let it go. Retract it, let it go, retract it.
5: For me it was sort of the nostalgia of playing with balloons as a kid. It seemed like it was universal. Everyone had a relationship to letting a balloon go, whether they, you know, let it go on purpose or whether they let it go by accident. You know, in some cases like your daughter, it's like the end of the day in another scenario, you know, maybe the little kid let it go just to see it drift away.
2: Now how long has this toy been in development? Because It's not always so easy. You know, we talk about these ideas, but it does take time for them to mature and come together.
5: I've seriously been thinking about it for probably close to four years, maybe a little less. Right. And it's kind of taken that long to figure out the interaction and the experience and obviously the technical aspects of how to produce the product for the market space Something that could be inexpensive and easily accessible. And, uh, you know, I've gone through many iterations of how to design the product. I think it was a process of narrowing it all down to one simple gesture, which is sort of that squeeze and release or that you can let go moment.
2: Now, how long have you been doing all this sort of stuff, though? Not just the it's-a-bob, but this whole line of thinking, this whole line of
5: work, you know? what What made you do this? I've kind of always been interested in things that float from a pretty young age. And I think a lot of it is like that moment or that experience of floating. I'd say from a physical standpoint, you know, like sports or things like that. And it's sort of progressed, I would say, over the last 20 years. I've been developing things, either concepts or physical objects or stuff, around the idea of things floating. And uh, I would say maybe 2005... Right. I really got involved with inflatable forms and balloons. So, but uh, conceptually, I I think I started back when I was probably 18.
2: How much can you say about it, Bob? You guys should go check it out on the website, man. It's a totally cool, very professional video. I think it's like one of those Wonder Years type of products. You know, you see kids have it and they could be playing around with it inevitably some baby must cry over this toy or something because someone took it away or X, Y, Z. And and if you can't find it there, always go to DJGrandpa.com where we'll post links for Jed and It's a Bob. And, you know, it's like one of those don't worry, be happy type of products. And I guess I've never said that those phrases together before and it'd probably be the last time, but Jed... I really want to thank you for coming on the show, dude. All
5: right, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah,
4: great.
7: Giant Boy Longboards began with a simple plan to build an inexpensive, responsive longboard. We have a great prototype and a press to make many more. We love the natural wood grain finish of our longboards and hope you will too.
2: Kevin, how's it going? Doing good today. Hey, thanks for calling. What makes your skateboards different? What's the word like giant boy longboards like?
7: It's been a great summer for us here in in Northern California. We're at a point now where we're looking to uh, involve more people and really foster the community here. We have a a great prototype model, 39-inch longboard. We've tested it over the summer and a lot of people loved it. A lot of people say, hey, how can I get one? And to get to that point, we built a a longboard press to make the longboard itself. So with our new model, with our skateboard press, we want to build more longboards to help distribute them to kids out there, people who maybe can't afford them. And we're also big on safety. So we want to get safety gear into the hands of kids who need them too.
2: How do yours differ from the average board?
7: There's different types of longboards out there and, and of course longboards are a little bit different than your traditional skateboards. People use them for different purposes. So you have those folks who just want to cruise. Uh, you have those guys who are more of the free riders who maybe they want to do some power slides.
3: Right.
7: And then you have those folks who are like I say doing the hardcore downhill high speed runs. And so our, our boards are great for that all around feel, something you can put your foot in there. It's a comfortable yet aggressive shape. It's a concave shape, and it feels real nice. We went through a period of testing with more extreme concave shapes, a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, and this was kind of the sweet spot. You know, I wouldn't say it's a radical departure from skateboarders and skateboarding history, Right. Nice. but it's a good model to start with, and it's a lot of fun.
2: How long have you been a skater?
7: Yeah, since the early 80s. I remember way back when, when... My mom brought my first skateboard. It was a Black Knight. You know, thinking back now, it was really not that great of a skateboard. It had clay wheels, about as hard as a rock. But ever since then, you know, I've, I've always thought of skateboarding as a great way to get outdoors. Enjoy the sun. To, if you're trying to go to a friend's house, you're trying to get yourself across town, doesn't matter. You're outdoors. You're enjoying the day. And that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to my sons and my family and to the greater community out here. Okay. An
2: educational question for me.
7: Sure. Am
2: I wrong when I call a giant board a skateboard?
7: No, skateboards and longboards, it's kind of interchangeable. But if you're really talking to someone says, well, what kind of skateboard do you have? Maybe at that point you'd say, oh, I have a, you know, I have a drop-down longboard or I have more of a ramp-style board or I, I like to do freestyle tricks. So I have a freestyle board. And lot have a lot to do with sizes and flexibility of the deck, different types of wheels and different types of trucks. Right. Like anything, it's very specialized these days.
2: I reached out to you because skateboards, longboards, whatever you call them, they've always just been cool. And I remember when I was a kid, when DJ Grandpa was a little lad, I had my own skateboard. But, you know, it was nothing pro level, none of this type of sophistication you talk about, but... I rode it until the wheels fell off.
7: It's really a great way for me and my sons to get outdoors. And, you know, of course, nowadays every kid has a, a screen around them at all times. And I was really hoping to get my sons outdoors before their eyes turn square.
2: Is there anything I left out that you'd like to say?
7: Well, first off, just thank you again for this opportunity to talk about our project. We only have about a week left, a few short days. So we're really hoping to get people to take a look at our prototype model, take a look at the sandwich press we have so we're able to make more longboards now, and look at our plan to give away safety gear to kids and help promote the community and foster that community. I like to think of local skateboard and longboard builders as kind of like microbreweries. You know, 10, 20 years ago, they were popping up. I think there can never be enough of them.
2: For anyone out there, you want to check out a super cool part of our culture, Giant Boy, Longboards, Building and Sharing Adventures. They're funding on Kickstarter. They don't have long left, though, so you should go check them out and see if you'd like to contribute. And if you can't find them there, you can go to djgrandpa.com, and we'll have links for Kevin and his company, Giant Boy. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, man, and it's been a totally cool vibe.
7: Thank you so much, DJ. I wish you well. You too, man. Longboards will be there with you. Thanks again. Thanks, dude.
1: I started working on Jason the Greek several months ago, when my wife caught me, um, saw me playing Monkey Island on my iPad. She took one look and said, you can make that. And well, I thought, well, you know, why not have a go? Well, let me start off
2: properly by um, welcoming you to the show, Chris.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Do you consider yourself Jason the Greek at all?
1: Well, I didn't at first, and then uh, a couple of um, a couple of friends uh, said, you know, you know, there's a lot of you in there. I guess I took a step back, and it, it, some people were even saying to me that. Uh, He even looks a little like me. Some of the animation work and some of the expressions and stuff. And I think without even realizing it, I've just put so much of myself in there that um, there's a lot of uh, me coming through.
2: I'm looking at the picture now. It does kind of resemble you. I never thought that before. (laughs) You know, and that wasn't even the question I was going to lead with. I was going to lead with that when I watched your video, it felt like you and I had a lot in common.
1: Good. I'm glad.
2: I was like, man, I think... Chris and I have a lot in common, like the comment you made about the wife, you know? Yeah, I'm like the same way with that. I guess lucky to have a wife, you know?
1: Absolutely, always.
2: And then you made the comment about Captain Kirk and the Enterprise and Jason and the Argonauts. The same way with me, man. You know, Harryhausen and I'm a Trekkie, you know, live long and prosper, all of that. And Jason and the Argonauts, one of my favorite movies of all time. So it was like, man, this guy and I got so much in common.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's so good to hear, and it's it's one of those things that um that seems to come across a lot. I even got a few reactions, it's just like I can't actually believe no one's tried to do it before or no one's done it. it maybe not as an adventure game, of course, but right. even just as a you know as a spoof or a little like net cartoon or something. I mean, you say Captain Kirk to people, people know if not like they may not have never even seen the original stuff but they they know it because it's just been spoofed so much in in popular stuff and then Jason and the Argonauts you know people picked up the stories people say I'll I'll say my age we saw all those old school movies and stuff like that and it's it's always coming around in in culture that whole greek myth kind of thing it's there's never a year really it feels when there's not another greek myth movie or another book out and stuff like that and yeah it's just something that's just so much fun and it's just there's so much heart in it for me that uh that I just like, you know, I've got to see it through. I've got to see this happen. You got people wearing togas and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just a crazy idea. I never thought it'd come off. I mean, without trying to be funny, you know, I'm working really hard at this. I really want this to happen.
2: Oh, you have to on Kickstarter. It's a full time
1: job, man. I was looking at a lot of people who sort of put these avatars and just just logos and stuff from the game and saying, "I backed this." And I thought, well, you know, these are my crew. These are my people. I'm a one man studio. And I suddenly, I've got all these people giving me ideas and getting involved. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to pull them in. So we just, I think he just sort of batted around the idea of just getting these people in togas. And like I said, you know, <laughs> well, look, you send me a photo, and I'll drop you in. For me, it takes like five, 10 minutes just to, you know, skirt around them in Photoshop, drop them in, you know, give them a choice of color and whatever. And it's just crazy. You know, some, suddenly, you look through the comments, like you say, and you see this list of people dressed up that way. And like, it's on the Facebook page, as a gallery, and it's growing and stuff. And there's a, guy today i used to work with him great guy and it's just like he just says like look you gotta drop me in and i was
7: like
1: yeah go for it of course and it's just cool you know you see it on facebook and stuff like and suddenly there's these all these people are just like supporting you and dressed up and all sorts and it's um it just kind of thing it puts a smile on my face when i'm thinking like am i gonna make it is this gonna happen and suddenly you know you're looking at these people are like they're right there with you that sounds like kickstart <laughs> yeah exactly it's all about the community.
2: Why don't you tell us about the game? Because I haven't asked about it. We've talked all around <laughs> it. So why don't you
1: tell us what the game is supposed to actually become? It's come sort of full circle for me. i have just done a, a you know a lot of games for other people, and I really was trying to do one for myself. And then this sort of comes along, and it's just like you know, it's just like look, this, this kind of things are becoming popular again. It's fun to play for people to do this kind of thing. And I thought, well, what's my stories? What what do I love? And I first went to the Trek idea or just purely doing that. But then I kind of felt like, you know, it's been done so many times and, and probably better than anything I could really do because I couldn't, I really was just forcing the story along. And it's just not funny and suddenly I'm not and having it's fun not fu- it. Yeah, it's not fun, dude. Yeah, so it's just like, well, if I'm forcing this, then there's something wrong. So I took a step back and really just looked at more of the, the kind of things I loved and sort of just, I swear at the time, it sounds really stupid, but I, I swear at the time I was... um I was talking at my son. I mean, he's one and a half now. and Yeah, I was about to do it. He's a little baby, man. Oh Yeah, yeah. But I, talk, <laughs> I talk at him all the time. I talk all sorts of stuff, you know. And, and we were sitting there, and I think I was probably feeding him at the time. And I was talking about this game. And I was like, Milo, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how this is going to work. And then it just popped into my head about, you know, all Greek myths I've always loved. I mean, you know, through like the Disney Hercules movie and stuff, still my favorite. And all the rest of the, you know, the Ray Harry house and stuff. And I was just like, well... That would be funny if you took Jason and the Argonauts, if you put Kirk and crew into the Greek myth and you use that spoof, but put it in something that, you know, it's just not out there. And I checked around and I couldn't find anything like it. So I was like, this, this has got an edge. This has got something fun. And the story just started flowing. And I looked at the original yeah. myth and I started and, you know, the, the, the quest lands on this island full of women. And I thought, you've got this personality of Captain <laughs> Kirk. You land on an island of women, and yeah. I just thought, well, that's just writing itself now. This is just crazy. So I was like, and I'm getting to the point now where um, you know, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit in the story, but getting to the point that it hinges on this point where you you romance or seduce basically the princess uh, right. on the island, and then your next part in the game is to actually get out of her room before she wakes up, and your uniform's gone, you can't find anything, so you just got to get out quick. Yeah. and so you've got a choice of going out the window. Oh, you got out, go out the front, and you're just running around the place in your uh, your leopard skin budgie smugglers. You can kind of do anything with it. It's open there, and you just you just stick to that that skeleton of the of the myth. There's a lot of creative license in there, but it's just there's just so much fun to be had in there with the character work and stuff. And it's just yeah, it's writing itself right now. I'm right. having a lot of fun with it, and yeah, it's great to get other people involved in it and putting the game out there, in, even in a demo form. Right. And saying, look, you know, it's, it's early days, but I've got this far, and, and to have so much positive. So they are liking the demo, then. They are yeah, the demo. it's crazy, and you just, you just think, you know, you put stuff on the internet, and everyone slates you and tells you just how awful you are, and what a terrible human being you are, or something. And it's just, <laughs> and this, and this comes back. And I, look, you know, I love the style, I love the story, the jokes. And I was talking to some guys yesterday, and they were saying, you know, it's like, do you ever get bored of the jokes because you're reading them the whole time? Do you ever start thinking you're not funny? And I was like, you totally do. You put this in first time and you laugh maybe or you think, yeah, that's that works. And you play it for the hundredth time and you run through it and you're like, is anyone going to find this funny anymore? But yeah, it seems so. I got to play this demo, man, and read some of these <laughs> jokes or something, man. I hope you find it funny. You know, it's, it's so hard <laughs> sort of saying, you know, like, this will be funny, but... Some people, uh, I'm some a hard
2: understand. audience, man. I'm a hard <laughs> yeah. I got a very super critical, man. Super critical. I'm going to have to check that out.
1: Just bear in mind, you know, you're running your own Kickstarter in the future. So, <laughs> oh, <really>. oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, um, humility. Yeah, I love, love Humility.
2: <laughs> I understand. I understand. And I remember in the video you said, I'm going to make a game to the best of my abilities. <laughs> oh, yes. That's
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Stand on that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should
2: leave on that. I th- think we yeah. should end this video on. I mean, I think we should end this interview on that.
1: I think so. It's it's a good line. i I was pretty happy with that. I was just like, you know, I'm going to do my best for me, for you. You know, it's just like you back this, and I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen. And no cats die. No kittens will cry. No,
3: if
7: we make it. <laughs> yeah. You
2: you have a um twisted sense of humor, man. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah it's okay man you're lucky you're married man you're lucky oh, you're very, no doubt about that you know I've been told that several times oh lucky you you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh definitely it's a good thing <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: and for anyone out there check out Jason the Greek on Kickstarter it's an adventure game and if you can't find it there go to djgrandpa.com where we'll have links for Jason and his fledgling company and I mean, how could you go wrong with Captain Kirk and crew red shirts, Jason and the Argonauts, Greek mythology, all of that? You can't go
1: wrong. The Fleece, the Golden Fleece. Jason, dude, not Jason, but Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I've been called that so much to this last month. I know. I I, I kept saying Jason the Greek, Jason, but but it's Chris.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much for
1: coming on the show, man. Thank you, Grandpa. It's been great.
2: And don't forget about DJ Grandpa's Crib Season 2 live on Kickstarter. Thank you to our first round of backers. Dude, you guys are awesome. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's Crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks. Bertram Zeke and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all.
0: The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus.